Chris. So I'm trying to find Chris to unmute you. Um, one second. Awesome, I'm unmuted now. Perfect. Thank there you so go. much. Great. Uh, thank you, Pax, for asking me to come and speak at your meeting tonight. Uh, it's always an honor and privilege to uh, be of service anywhere in Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's just nice when anyone asks me to go anywhere or do anything. Um, <clears throat> never spoke at a meeting in another country, so this is pretty awesome. Uh, thank God for Zoom <clears throat> and other online platforms. I remember uh, when I read that uh, forward to the fourth edition and they talk about modem to modem. Uh, I read that and I was like, that's just silly. Like that's, has I go to all in-person meetings. That doesn't mean anything to me. And then uh, who would have known sometime later, uh, this is real. And, uh, and thank God that we have this. Uh, I've been able to go to lots of meetings all over the place because of this. And it's been an amazing experience. Um, a little bit about myself. I, uh, currently reside in San Diego, California. Um, I've lived here for about a few months. I spent a majority of my sobriety though in South LA. Uh, my home group is called uh, Wilson Park. Uh, we meet on Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. Uh, they started meeting in person again recently, which is nice. Um, and it's part of the 435 Compton Intergroup. So it is in Compton, California. And, uh, and that meeting saved my life and the people there saved my life. Um, so a little bit about myself. I, my sobriety day is March 31st, 2000. Uh, so this year I celebrated 21 years of sobriety. Um, I got sober when I was 18 years old. Um, I didn't plan on getting sober when I was 18 years old, but uh, obviously God had other plans for me. Um, you know, I have a sponsor, his name is T-Bone. I'm looking for a new sponsor here in San Diego though. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about myself. I grew up on, on a small island off of the coast of uh, California and uh, lived there till I was about 18. And, um, and yeah, so what it was like, what happened was like now, uh, what it was like is that uh, I always felt awkward and uncomfortable as a small child. Uh, definitely felt like I didn't fit in. I still don't feel like I fit in sometimes today, uh, but always uncomfortable, always discontent always just out of place. And, um, and I felt that way, uh, until I had my first drink, you know, and, um, I had my first drink at about 14 and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, uh, alcohol probably saved my life because if I had gone on living the way I was living, uh, just miserable and depressed and unhappy, I don't know if I would have wanted to live it much longer, you know, but I found alcohol and, uh, and suddenly life was worth living again, you know, um, suddenly, the sun was brighter, um, the trees were greener, uh, my friends felt more like real friends and, uh, and it just seemed like a life finally opened up to me. And uh, I just started chasing that feeling on a, on a daily basis. You know, I, I went out with my friends one night and they were like, we're gonna get you drunk. And I was like, okay, sounds good. And um, I continued to get drunk. And um, yeah, it was the first time I didn't go home, you know? Uh, it was the first time that uh, that I had lied to my mother in a major way. And, um, you know, it was, uh, I didn't really care. You know, all I cared about was the way I was feeling. And I just wanted to feel that way all the time. 
And I feel like uh, I got alcoholism real fast around here. Um, when they talk about the, uh, the physical allergy, um, that happened extremely quickly. Um, I went from a weekend drinker to a daily drinker, uh, you know, in about 30 days, you know? And, uh, and once I became a daily drinker, I continued to drink that way until I, uh, until I finally made it to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and they talk in the book a lot about, um, that mental exception and that, uh, that physical allergy and that how we're different from our fellows. And, um, I didn't know that, you know, um, I would get into trouble. I would, uh, you know, have issues with the police. I would have issues with my parents. I would have issues at school and, um, and I would try, uh, you know, uh, Bill says like fear sobered me for a bit. And, uh, you know, there are things that happened in my life that were pretty scary and, uh, fear did sober me for a bit, you know, and, uh, but nevertheless, eventually, um, whether it be a day, a couple of days, I think one time I made it almost a whole week without drinking. Um, I would have that mental obsession and I would, uh, I just couldn't get out of my head. And the only thing that would quiet that obsession was, uh, taking that first drink. And once I took that first drink, uh, the drink took me, you know, and, um, and there have been multiple times when they talk about like swearing off forever with, with, without a solemn oath. Like I swore I was never going to drink again and I meant it. And then next thing you know, I'm drinking one more time, not knowing how I got there. And so when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous and they told me that I had a mental obsession and physical allergy, um, that kind of made sense. You know, that made a lot of sense. Um, up until that point, I thought it was just a matter of willpower. And I thought that my willpower was weak when it came to alcohol and that if I could just learn to manage my willpower better, or if I could just uh, have some people teach me how to manage my willpower better, then I would be able to overcome this uh, problem I had with alcohol. And, uh, and no matter how hard I tried or how much I tried to exert and force my will around this problem, it just never worked. You know, the only solution that I've been able to find is Alcoholics Anonymous. It's the only thing that's worked for me. And, um, and I like in the book, you know, it says that we have no monopoly on this. You know, if uh, other people find other ways to stop drinking, uh, I'm happy for them, you know what I mean? But I know that for me in my heart of hearts, like this is what works for me. So this is what I do. And, um, and I don't have to try to convince anybody else that this is what they need. Um, I'm just here to uh, share my experience and tell them how I stop drinking and this is what I use. And if people don't want it, it's fine. You know, sometimes the, uh, sometimes people aren't willing, sometimes people aren't willing to even say that they're an alcoholic, um, you know, and I don't have to convince them of that. You know, all I have to be is, uh, convinced that in my heart of hearts that I am an alcoholic. And, um, you know, we like to, uh, at my home group, we have a lot of sayings. Uh, we like to say that, uh, if you like to drink while you're drunk, uh, you might be an alcoholic, uh, cause normal people don't do that. Uh, you know, I work. I work for an alcohol company and my coworkers have a couple of drinks or maybe one drink and they're done. And, uh, and that's not my story. You know, uh, I have one drink and then I want another, and then I want another. And pretty much I just drink until I black out, um, or until we run out of alcohol, which does happen. And, um, and that's what it was like, you know? And, um, we also like to say, um, you know, in the quietness of your own mind, uh, 
ask yourself, is alcohol doing more to you or for you? You know, and if it's doing more to you, you might be an alcoholic. And if you do be an alcoholic, like I'm an alcoholic, we have a solution. And, uh, and it's just that simple for me. You know what I mean? Like um, getting sober at such a young age, I thought that uh, I had something to prove or I had to, had to have like the craziest stories or be in the weirdest situations or have the greatest um, kind of drink more than anybody else um, in order to qualify to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and you don't, you know what I mean? You don't have to be cool. You don't have to be hip. Uh, what you have to be is an alcoholic. And that takes a lot of different forms and a lot of different people. You know, but the one thing we do have in common is that we have lost power of choice when it comes to drink. You know, and sometimes that means that you're drinking until you black out and, um, you know, you're doing things in blackouts that you're embarrassed or ashamed of. Or it just means that, you know, once you start, you just can't stop. And, uh, and that's, that's what it's like for us. Um, you know, some people like to get in fights when they're drunk. Some people like to cry when they're drunk. Uh, some people like to just uh, buddy up to somebody and tell them their life stories when they're drunk. But uh, so our alcoholism kind of kind of uh, manifests in different forms when we're drunk, but, uh, but we're all the same. You know what I mean? We all have this thing called alcoholism. And that's, I love that. You know, I love that about this program. Uh, I love that we get to hang out together and um, and just share ourselves with each other. You know, what uh, What happened was uh, I had started drinking, uh, like I said, when I was 14, uh, all the way up until I was 18, and uh, not a long drinking career. But in that, in that short amount of time, uh, I had alienated my family. Um, they were no longer willing to uh, help me or... Uh, kind of enable me. Uh, I had gotten into uh, quite some trouble with the law and was looking at serving about five years in prison with uh, multiple felonies. Um, and it's funny because uh, even, even when I was going through all this court stuff, like I could not stop drinking. You know, I was, uh, I was in this class and they were testing me for alcohol and other things. And, uh, and I just couldn't stop, you know? Um, I didn't know how to. And, um, Eventually, I got to that, that jumping off point that they talk about, and um, <clears throat> it was explained to me that we hit bottom uh, when the situations in our life fall faster than our standards can meet them, and that's kind of what happened, you know, because um, there are always these lines that I told myself I would never cross, you know, like, <laughs> never going to lie to my mom, and that, that happened the first time I, uh, I drank, uh, never going to steal from my family, you know, never going to steal from my friends. Um, never going to do certain types of, uh, certain types of drugs, you know, all kinds of different things, like all these things I told myself I was never going to do. Um, you know, I would end up doing those things. Um, but I was always able to justify them. You know what I mean? Like if you grew up, uh, in the family that I grew up in, uh, you would drink the way I drink. You know, if you were, if you were having these problems, um, you know, with your friends, the way I have problems with my friends, you would drink the way I drink. You know, it was always other people's fault. Um, it was always the police. It was always my job. It was always my family. Um, you know, I was always looking for an excuse to uh, to excuse the way I drank. And um, and what happened is that uh, when I got sober, I, I ran out of excuses. You know, um, there was no one left to blame. Uh, you know, I was what we like to call a self-imposed crisis. 
uh, I had finally had that like moment of clarity where I was able to look around in my life and realize that uh, where I was at was exactly a result of my own actions. And, uh, and it sucked, you know what I mean? It sucks so bad. Uh, Cause there was this feeling of hopelessness that went along with it. You know what I mean? Uh, once I realized that it was all my fault, I felt hopeless. I was like, I don't think I can get out of this. You know, I don't know what to do. Um, I have no one to turn to. Um, you know, and I talked to this counselor at this, um, at this court program I was in and, uh, I was like, I don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, he told me to go to Alcoholics Anonymous and I'd been to Alcoholics Anonymous before, um, to get like a court card signed and things like that. Uh, but I wasn't ready. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't have that gift of desperation. I still felt like I had a few outs. And so I would go to these AA meetings and I'd listen to these people share. And, uh, and I was really young and I'd listen to like mothers share about being excited to do homework with their children. Uh, I was listening to people excited about, um, getting cars and getting car insurance and that kind of stuff. And I was just like, in my head, I was like, wow, I'm really glad there's like a program like this for people like you. Um, but I definitely don't need this. You know what I mean? Like I don't have kids. Uh, I, at the time I never had even had a driver's license. Um, you know, I didn't, I couldn't relate, you know, and I was relating to all the external things and I wasn't hearing when they were sharing about feeling different, feeling alone, feeling afraid. I didn't hear any of that stuff. You know what I mean? It was all about the outside. And, um, and I just couldn't relate, you know? So when this guy suggested I go back to Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I, I did so with a little bit of trepidation. You know what I mean? I was like, I'll try this, but I've been there before and it's not going to work. And, um, and so what happened is I ended up getting sent to some treatment program and I was in there for about three weeks. Um, and I was finally able to listen, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I was able to listen as only the dying can. And, uh, and I was able to hear those feelings of, uh, feeling like you don't belong, feeling like you're not good enough, those feelings of guilt, shame, and remorse that I, I carried with me for so long that, uh, that I was able to hear, you know, and I was able to hear that these people had recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body, you know, and, um, and so I, I asked some guy to sponsor me and I was scared, you know what I mean? I was scared. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I am not a brave person. You know, I walk through fear every day of my life. Um, you know, it's gotten a lot easier over time, but um, geez, I'm afraid of everything and everyone, you know? Uh, and sometimes that fear comes out as like, let's fight. You know what I mean? Or sometimes that fear comes out as like, don't talk to me or I want to be left alone. Um, but I am afraid. And, um, and I didn't learn that until I came to AA, you know, I just thought that I was, uh, I was unique or, um, I was different or, um, you wouldn't understand. Um, and I didn't realize that it was all fear. Um, so what happens, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, and there used to be this guy, uh, at this meeting that I was going to in that treatment center. And, uh, people used to call him the ice man. And he used to explain it that, uh, he thought that they called him the Iceman because he was so cool, but really it was because he was cold. Um, but uh, I thought this guy was cool, man. He had like 15 years of sobriety and he talked a good talk um, and everyone in the meeting seemed to respect him. So I, I asked this guy to be my sponsor. 
Um, and I was afraid. I was afraid that he was going to say you're too young or you're not white enough or, you know what I mean? Just like all these different things um, that I had built up in my head. And uh, I had already heard him say no like a hundred times in my head before I had even asked him. Um, but I knew that they kept on telling me in the meetings that I had to get a sponsor. I had to get a sponsor. I had to get a sponsor, you know? And um, I just did what they said. You know, they said, uh, just just stick with the winners and kind of listen to suggestions. And, you know, one of the suggestions besides go lots of meetings was to get a sponsor. So I asked this guy to sponsor me and, uh, and he said, yes. You know what I mean? All he asked is, was I willing to go to any lengths? And I said, yes. And so what he did is he gave me his phone number. He gave me a prayer card with the St. Francis prayer on it. And he said, I want you to say this prayer every day and call me every day. And let me know that you did it. And that's what I did, you know? And um, and it was great. He ended up being uh, the perfect sponsor for me. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I always had like a weird relationship with my dad, but um, this guy was uh, kind of older, old enough to be my father. Um, his sobriety date was actually on my dad's birthday, which was a weird coincidence. And, uh, and yeah, man, uh, he started going to that treatment center I was at and uh, we started opening the book and we went through the book page by page. And that's the way I do it with the guys I sponsored today, you know, and, um, and he showed me that, uh, that it wasn't a matter of willpower, you know, he showed me in the doctor's opinion and in Bill's story that, um, that we suffer from a disease, you know, we suffer from this disease called alcoholism and that, uh, and that if it was just a matter of willpower, no one would be here. You know what I mean? We would all just be at home, hanging out, um, drinking normally, um, you know, and stopping when we knew we had too much, but, uh, but it's not the case. Um, you know, we suffer from a disease and, uh, and so what we did is, uh, we went through the first step and, um, I kind of, we kind of shared our, uh, stories with each other and, um, he was able to help me identify those places where, where I had tried to stop and I couldn't, or, or I had tried to maintain and I just went over the line, which happens so many times. And, um, you know, I was able to, uh, to identify, you know what I mean? I was able to say that I, I am an alcoholic and this is where I belong and I have this thing, you know? Um, that's the unfortunate thing about Alcoholics Anonymous is that if you keep coming around long enough, you're gonna catch this thing called alcoholism. Uh, but thankfully there is a solution, you know? And, um, and we did that and we got to that second step and um, I had a slight issue with that second step because uh, I wasn't, you know, I was an atheist and also I did not think I was insane. Um, but he was able to show me the mind sanity, you know what I mean? He was able to show me my abnormal thinking, um, you know? So um, for a long time, when I first got sober, um, I didn't really believe in any kind of God or a higher power, but I believed in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, that's why I used this my higher power when I first got here, you know, um, you know, they talk about all you need is a mustard seed of faith. And, uh, and that's what I had, you know, um, I didn't know that I was willing to believe, but I was willing to be willing that you believed and that it worked for you. So that's what I did, you know, and, and the great part about this is that, uh, uh, my sponsor at the time was like a very devout, very hardcore Catholic, you know, and, and uh, he would wear crosses and, um, he, he loved his, his God, you know, and, um, not once did he ever tell me that I had to believe the way he believed. Not once did he ever force his religion on me. Not once did he ever say that I was doing it wrong. 
um, you know, and um, and that was so important to me because uh, I don't know, I uh, I have a problem with authority, you know. I don't like being told what to do. I like being in control of my own life and my own destiny and think that I am running the show. And uh, and I don't like uh, I don't like it. And so uh, he never did that with me. You know, had he had done that, uh, I probably would have had a much different experience. But uh, but he knew how to work with a newcomer. Uh, he sure did, and he worked with me really well. And so we went through that second step, and uh, you know, we got on our knees and we did the third step prayer. Um, even though I didn't really know what I was praying to. And uh, and from there, we went on to the fourth step, you know? And um, and the good thing about the fourth step is that uh, it's not really that big a deal, you know? Um, a lot of people like to make it a big deal, but it's not, you know? Um, in the book, they're just saying we're, we're taking stock and trade, you know what I mean? We're doing a, we're doing an inventory. Uh, it doesn't say that we're we're trying to expose all the, all the horrible um depraving things that we've done it doesn't say that we're trying to uh dig up a bunch of guilt shame and remorse all it says is that we're taking an inventory we're doing stock and trade you know and um and when i looked at it from that point i was like i can get with that you know what i mean uh i can do that and really um the greatest thing about the fourth step for me was that i was able to identify all those fears you know what i mean i was able to identify why i react to situations um like why um when people say certain things, it just sets my mind off and I get extremely angry or it gets extremely defensive, you know, and um, all of a sudden I need to put myself above that person and try to put them down because uh, they hurt my fragile ego, you know, and um, I was able to identify those things and realize that um, everything I was getting mad about and uh, having resentments about was all within myself, you know, it was all within my own um, lack of self, my own low self-esteem, uh, my own fear of uh, being controlled and being told what to do. And um, and once I realized those things and I realized what I really needed to be working on, um, things got better. You know, um, in my home group, we like to say all the time that my ladder was on the wrong building. And, and that's true. You know what I mean? My ladder had been on the wrong building. I thought it was uh, those people and those principles and those institutions when really it was, uh, it was everything about myself. You know what I mean? And uh, and I was able to see those things and, um, and it opened up a whole new world to me. You know, I, I no longer had to be, be afraid. You know, I no longer had to, uh, I couldn't, I could no longer had to go through a supermarket and just be afraid to go shopping because people were looking at me and I knew they were judging me and I knew they'd be talking about me, which they weren't, but, uh, I just had that delusion in my head that it was all about me all the time. And it, it was never good. And I was able to clear away those things and I was able to replace it with love, you know, and I was able to replace it with compassion and I was able to, um, to be myself around other people. And, um, and we went through that. And, um, when I did the fifth step with my sponsor, it was a little nerve wracking because there were some things on there that I didn't know that I wanted to share with him. And, um, I even wrote it in like just writing it strangely. So no one would understand what I was talking about if they ever read it. Um, you know, but even like, even the things that I was afraid to share about because I was afraid of what he would think about me, you know, and I wasn't afraid to write those things because, um, because of the things that I had done, because I did them, you know what I mean? I full well knew that I had done them, um, you know, and, um, the only thing really, uh, was that my fragile ego was involved and I was afraid of what another person might think of me, you know? 
I had no problem with the actions I did, um, but I had every problem with the way other people viewed me. You know, and that was something I had to work on for a long time, a long, long time. We like to say that uh, this program works in three speeds and that's slow, uh, slow and slow. So um, that's pretty much how it worked for me. Um, you know, we went through that fifth step and I told him every single thing that was on it. And um, when we were done, um, he said, all right, sounds good. You know, he shared some things with me um, that he had done and he had added on his fifth step. And um, I realized that I was really making him out of molehill, you know, and that uh, I wasn't any worse than anybody else in Alcoholics Anonymous and that I hadn't done anything that uh, someone hadn't done before me. And, um, and it took a lot of weight off me, but um, at the same time, it felt kind of empty after I was done and, uh, and we moved on, you know what I mean? Uh, they talk about the sixth step about where the rubber hits the road, you know, and, uh, and I had to look at all those things, you know what I mean? I had to look at all those uh, defects of character, um, you know, and all those things that were standing in the way of my usefulness to, to God. And, um, you know, by about that time I had had, uh, I had almost a year of sobriety by the time we finished my fifth step, because, um, again, I don't know if, uh, I'm just somebody that likes to overcomplicate simple things, but uh, the directions were right in the book. And um, and I can understand how to do it. And he had told me and explained me how to do my fourth step, but I don't really listen when people talk to me because really I'm just waiting to talk myself. So I'm trying to think about what I'm going to say and not really what you're saying. I was really bad at having conversations when I was new because uh, it was all about me. So he, was, he told me how to do the fourth step and I... Uh, I completely forgot what he had said because I wasn't paying attention. So, so I, uh, about a month in, I still hadn't done it. And he's like, are you having problems with this? And I was like, no, I just, you know, I'm really busy. And I was just lying, you know, and just making up excuses and saying why I couldn't do my four step. And, um, and um, I had a 12 and 12. So I read the four step into 12 and 12, like over and over and over again. And um, I couldn't figure it out by doing that. And then um I reread the part in um, in the big book like over and over and over again about the four step and couldn't figure it out. And um, and about four months into it, he's like, okay, look, we're going to set a deadline when I need you to have this turned in by because it feels like you aren't willing to go to any lengths anymore. And um, you know what happened was a hat in hand. I, I swallowed my pride and uh and uh, pushed aside my ego. And I was like, hey, the reason I haven't done this is because I don't know how to do it, you know? And um, and it was just that simple, you know what I mean? Um, but it's so hard for me to ask for help sometimes. You know, it's so hard because I want to be independent and I want to feel like I'm not relying on anybody else. And I'm so fearful of fear that if I ask somebody for help, they might say no. And um, I just don't want to look like I don't have the answers either. And there's so much so much pride and ego and everything that drives my actions that uh that i get to a point where where i'm not doing a fourth step where i'm not doing a fifth step where where i'm putting my life in jeopardy you know because um i had been told that uh, if i didn't do these steps i was probably going to drink again and uh the book tells us to drink is to die and usually it's a slow and painful death uh, not always though uh, i've been around for a long time and i've seen people go quick and quick and painless but um you know, I was to this point where like, it was like, either I was going to ask for help or I was going to die. 
and um, I didn't want to die. So I asked him for help and it was super simple. You know what I mean? One more time, he just explained to me how to do it. Uh, he ran through one with me and, um, and I was able to do my four step, you know, um, it's just, I get in my way all the time, all the time. I have these amazing opportunities and these amazing um, chances for growth. And I just get in my way, you know, every time I just get in my way, but, uh, you know, I got out of my way and I asked for help and things worked out. Okay. You know what I mean? And we did six step and the seventh step and the seventh step was, a. Uh, he wanted me to make a list of things that I wanted to achieve in my life that I hadn't been able to do because alcoholism got in the way. You know what I mean? Uh, he's, he kind of described it as a uh, places in my life where I fell short. And, um, and we worked on those things too, you know, and they were really simple, you know what I mean? Just like, uh, being a better family member, you know what I mean? Starting a savings account, like just things that I wanted to do that I was never able to do, um, because alcoholism got in the way and I got in the way. And, um, and so we, we worked on that. Um, we did the, the eighth step and I made those amends, um, and, and they weren't easy. Um, and, uh, at the end of the amends, when you're doing it with somebody and there, you have to ask them if there's anything you had left out. Um, if you're a blackout drinker, like I am, uh, usually there's a lot of things you left out because you don't remember. And um, one more time, you get to swallow some hard truths about yourself and your actions. And uh, and I was able to get through it. You know, I was able to get through it because um, I had friends in Alcoholics Anonymous that were on the same path that I was, that were doing the exact same steps that I were. And I was able to see them do it. And um, I knew that if they could do it, then so could I. And then um, we got through that. And um, by this time, I started believing in a higher power not just the group. And, um, and it was great. You know what I mean? I, I was able to pray and, um, and sometimes I could feel the presence of God in the room. And, uh, I could tell that I was not alone anymore, you know? Um, and I've been so alone for so long that, uh, it's just an overwhelming feeling, you know what I mean? And, um, and so we went through 10, 11 and 12 and I started sponsoring people and, uh, and it was good. It was good for a while. You know, it was good for a while when I was new. Um, I finished all my steps by the time I had like 18 months and, um, and, uh, I don't know what it's like, uh, out in, in Europe, but, uh, over here in, in California, we have a very large fellowship and a lot of young people out here. And so there's a very large fellowship of young people. And, um, I, I kind of connected with them and we would go to conventions all the time. And I made all these friends that were my age that lived in my city that were in Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, and, uh, they're the best of friends, you know, and, um, I remember um, we'd go to these conventions and just have so much fun. And, um, and I felt like these would be my friends forever, you know? And, um, and when we had about three and a half years, um, we went to this convention and we were going to meet our friend there and he never showed up. And we we're like, what happened to Ryan? You know? And, uh, and we were calling him and calling him all weekend and he just wasn't picking up. And uh, we knew he was going through a lot because his dad was dying of cirrhosis. And, uh, and so we went to his house and, um, and there was Ryan, like uh, just naked and drunk, uh, drinking straight from a wine bottle. Uh, it was very a very romantic scene. Uh, you know what I mean? He had thrown a couple wine bottles against the fireplace. There was broken glass. So I was like, this is a scene. Like if I were going to drink, this is where I'd want to drink. And, uh, and you know, um, what had happened was that he was going through so much stuff and he just wasn't sharing about it. You know what I mean? He wasn't talking about what was going on in his life. Um, he wasn't um, kind of releasing the burden of everything that was happening and just carrying all by himself, you know, and his dad had died and, um, and we had to tell him that his dad was sick, you know, and, um, 
And it was uh, it was hard, man. This was the first friend that I had a really tight connection with that got me drunk. And um, uh, I remember he tried to stab me uh, when I told him that his dad had died because uh, he thought that we were trying to 12-step him and that we were lying about his dad's death so that he would come back to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, but we weren't, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was a crazy day. It was a crazy day. Um, I almost got stabbed by one of my best friends. Uh, we ended up... Uh, kind of uh, tackling him down and uh, taking him to the hospital because he had to claim his dad's body. And uh, and yeah, man, um, it was rough. And it was rough for a while, you know? And um, when they talk about like, no uh, amount of frothy, uh, frothy emotional feel will still suffice. Like um, we didn't come at him from like an AA standpoint. We came at him from a friend standpoint and we were just, we talked to him to a blue in the face and nothing we said would work, you know? And um. And it doesn't work for an alcoholic, you know what I mean? My parents have talked to me many times about what I've been doing in my life and the road I was going down. And uh, and I just, it just had no effect on me, you know? And, um, you know, we uh, we did all that and, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't get sober, you know? And he didn't get sober. He, he finally is sober again now. Um, you know, he has about, about five years of sobriety right now. Um, you know, we had to go out for about, you know, 13 years, um, and, and test the water some more. And, uh, and I learned from that, you know, I learned that like, no matter what's happening in my life, like, um, I share about it. You know what I mean? I, I have a sponsor for that. I have friends for that. And, uh, and I don't have to be alone. You know what I mean? Uh, we like to say that, uh, it's a good thing that we have a place to go, whether we need a whole lot or a little bit of help, you know what I mean? Alcoholics Anonymous is always there, you know? And, um, no matter where I'm at in my life, Alcoholics Anonymous will meet me right there. You know what I mean? Whether I'm high, whether I'm low, whether I'm in between, like uh, AA is there to meet me. And, um, and I'm glad I have that tool today. And, um, you know, so that was my first friend that got drunk and uh, it was, it was heartbreaking, you know, and, um, and I've, uh, when I first got sober, there was about, there was five of us that were all hanging out together, um, you know, and I'm the only one that's still sober today. You know, but I've made other friends along the way, which is why I'm always reaching out my hand. You know, I'm always meeting new people. I'm always making new friends because uh, uh, this life is not a guarantee. You know what I mean? Um, it is. It, it says that we can recover as long as we follow a few simple steps, but um, but it's hard for people to maintain that. You know what I mean? Um, that's why I like when I go to my home group, there's guys in the meeting with 40 years of sobriety uh, still going to AA meetings, you know, because uh because they still need to do this thing one day at a time, you know, all I get is daily reprieve, you know, based upon my spiritual maintenance. And if I'm not maintaining myself spiritually, if I'm not like reaching out my hand and talking to other alcoholics, uh, new and old, you know, sometimes old, older alcoholics need help too. You know what I mean? Like, um, people move from other areas or go to new meetings. And just because you have some time doesn't mean that, uh, that you have it all figured out and they need to be welcomed as well, you know? And, um, and that's what I get to do today. You know, I get to do those types of things. And, uh, and it's not all like best friends getting loaded. You know what I mean? Like there's great fun about it all too. Uh, you know, I got to, uh, we have this young people's conference out here in California that's been going on for, uh, almost 50 years now. And, uh, and I, I got to host that conference one year when I had about seven, six or seven years of sobriety and I got to chair the conference and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. You know what I mean? We drove all up and down the coast of California, which we went to other States, we outreached and, um, and we had a good time, you know what I mean? And, uh, and we got to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, you know, we threw this conference, there's like over 2000 people there. 
and it was wild and fun. And we had meetings 24 hours a day and speaker meetings and dances and, and uh, well, like social events. And, um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, the only bad thing about chairing that convention is that my ego got so big. Um, you know, I was no longer able to, uh, to share with people about what was going on in my life, even though I had learned that lesson earlier on, you know what I mean? All of a sudden I was like the chair of this large conference. And um, I thought that meant that I had to know everything and that I had to know what was going on. And I had to uh, not have any flaws. And I had to be this like poster child for Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and it was a lot of burden, you know, it was a lot of burden that I put on myself that I didn't need to. Um, and it wasn't even real, you know, and, uh, and I went on like that for a year. And um, I also started dating this girl and that uh, was a little insane. Um, and uh, I was just doing all these things and, uh, and my friends were concerned, you know what I mean? Um, when they talk, when Bell talks about the, the remonstrances of his friends left him to be a lone wolf, like that was me, you know what I mean? In sobriety, you know, my friends were concerned and they were like, hey, we're concerned that you're not going to a lot of meetings anymore. We're concerned that uh, you know, you're not being a service. We're concerned that you're not fellowshipping. We're concerned about this. We're concerned about that. And I was like, I don't need these people in my life. Um, I'm just going to start cutting them out because obviously they're getting in the way of uh, uh, what I want to do. And um, and it was a very lonely place. You know, one more time I'm alone and I'm full of fear and I have no one to share with what's going on in my life. And I'm dating this girl who's insane and might be married. And, uh, you know, all these things are going on. And uh, 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 my one friend, um, she would not give up on me. You know what I mean? She uh, she made a point to call me every every couple of days and just check in on me. And um, I was getting tired of it, though. And I was like, hey, you don't have to call me all the time. And she's like, hey, if you go to this meeting with me, uh, I'll leave you alone. You know what I mean? And that's when that that's when the, that was about 2007. She took me to, to that meeting in Compton that became my home group, you know, and, um, and I was able to listen one more time as only the dying could because I was dying spiritually. And, uh, and I almost went insane. You know what I mean? I probably had, I kept on going, I probably would have needed to be committed. And, uh, and I went to that meeting and I was able to listen as only the dying could. And, um, and it was great. You know what I mean? Cause like, at the time I had like seven years and a lot of the meetings I was going to, there weren't people that had more time than me you know, and, uh, no one could tell me what to do or how to live or how to be sober, you know, and I knew everything in that. And I had chaired this convention. That was a pretty big deal. And, um, <laughs> that's what I thought in my head. And then, uh, I get to this meeting and, uh, I meet the secretary who's got like over 20 years and he tells me that I ain't shit and I need to sit down and shut up and just stay in the meeting. And he's like, if you want coffee, we'll bring you coffee. Um, just sit down and shut the fuck up. And I was like, I was like, I can't believe this guy talked to me like that. Uh, doesn't he know who I am? And uh, and I did what he said though, because he was a, a gang, an ex gangbanger, pretty scary. And um, I'm this dude from this island who is not scary. And I was like, I'll just do what he says. You know what I mean? And um, I sat there through a whole meeting. It was an hour and a half meeting with no break, which I was used to meetings that had breaks in the middle. And I, and I sat through that whole meeting. And um, you know, I was able to hear about like. Um, you know, like, uh, they were just saying things in the way that I can understand it. You know, they were talking about, uh, they were talking about, we don't have to do this thing alone. You know, they were talking about like, uh, when your wheels fall off, mine is still on and I can carry you through this. Um, they would share things about like unball your fists. You know, they said we had ceased fighting everything and everyone, um, you know, so we don't have to ball our fists today. Um, and they just talked in that language of the heart. And, um, 
and I loved it. You know what I mean? And um, and I continued going back. You know what I mean? And that meeting became my home group, and um, and they invited to me to the homes, and I could tell that they weren't just talking the talk, but uh, but that's why I like uh, you know when I sponsor people and I meet people like I invite them into my home so they can see how I'm living for real, for real. You know what I mean? Like they can tell that I'm not just full of shit. I'm going to a meeting and I'm giving them that fortune cookie sobriety where I'm like saying all these wise sayings like you find, um, you know, um, it's all about how I'm living today, you know, and um, am I living, uh, am I living in a life that's moving me towards God or am I living in a life that's moving me away from God? And um, this is like, there's a part of the book that I like to share with a lot of people I sponsor. Um, and it's on the, on the bottom of page 42. And it says, quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying and I hope more useful than the life I lived before. Um, you know, and I like to share that with my the guys I sponsor, especially because I sponsor a lot of guys that that have a little bit of sobriety under their belts that start to balk. And um, and I'm like, check it out, man. Like you're living a good life. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying you're not. Uh, I am saying that we are offering you a life that is infinitely more satisfying. So if, if you want to let me threaten you with a good time and an infinitely more satisfying life, then let's do this, you know, but if you want to keep living the way you're living, uh, even though it may be good, like you can keep doing that, you know, but we have a, we have a way out and up over here, you know, and, um, and it's, it's a, it's a great thing, you know, and, um, a has been able to carry me through like everything I've gone through in life, you know what I mean? Like, getting laid off from a job, um, having angry husband kick in the door one time. Uh, you know, I don't do that anymore, but uh, it was just something I had to learn through the steps, um, you know, going through divorce, you know, uh, having my wife cheat on me, uh, just all kinds of different things that I had, uh, which I probably deserve, all kinds of different things that I'd gone through in my life um, that uh, that I know I would have drank over. But I had heard things, um, people share about meetings, you know, in meetings about going through divorce, about about um being in self-imposed crises and how to get through it and um you know i'm able to pick up the phone today and ask for help you know i'm able to realize that i am not doing this thing alone that i do have some people out there that are they're willing to go to any lengths for me as long as i'm willing to do a few simple things and um yeah man it was a it was crazy i went to that meeting um and it kind of it kind of saved my life you know what i mean and i didn't even know that my life needed to be saved you know because uh because it's, it's hard to see it when you're in it, you know what I mean? Other people can see it, but I, it's hard for us to see it when we're in, in it. And, uh, and man, my life has been so much better since then, you know? Um, you know, and that was like at seven years of sobriety. And, um, and, and they tell me, even to this day, when I go to that meeting, um, and when I hang out with the guys that are still in that meeting from when I went there 14 years ago, they're still going to that meeting. And now they all have like 30 and 40 years of sobriety. Uh, they told me the best is yet to come. You know, they told me that I ain't seen nothing yet, you know, and that it just gets good. And, um, and that's been true, you know, and if it gets better than it is now, I can't imagine. And I also can't wait because, um, because it's really good right now. And I never thought my life could possibly be this good, you know, and it's not like, um, like I had to take my car into the shop yesterday and the, and they found out what was wrong with it and they have to order the special part for it. And they're like, it's going to be 10 weeks before we can get that part. And I was like, Oh, that sucks. And, uh, the guys are like, Oh, you're cool with that. And I was like, yeah, like I work in logistics. I know that there was a global pandemic and it's taking longer for people to get parts and stuff. And he's like, wow, you're so understanding. Like, 
every time I called a customer and told them like the issues that we're facing, like they yell at me and they tell me that uh, I'm unreasonable and I'm not doing my job right. And, uh, you know, he was shocked at my reaction to that, you know, and, um, and it's because I don't have to, I don't have to be that way today. You know, I can have love and compassion for other people. I can, I can put myself in other people's situations and realize that they're going through it, their own things too. You know, I was told never to judge another man until I walked a mile in the shoes. And I learned that uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know what I mean? That like, who am I to judge? You know, the person who is like, was going to go to prison, whose family had given up on him, uh, you know, who uh, was so full of self-loathing uh, and, and shame and, and that low self-esteem, like, who am I to judge anybody else in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? Um, you know, I was told that I'm, I'm, I'm always put here to be helpful to some and harmful to none, you know, and that's what I try to do today. You know, I can't help everybody, um, you know, but I can make sure that I don't do any harm. And, um, and if I do, uh, I have a way to rectify that. Um, you know, I had a falling out with one of my friends earlier this year and, uh, and I wanted to make amends and, and they weren't ready to hear it, you know, and, um, and, um, but I was willing, you know what I mean? I'm still willing. I'm just waiting for, for them to be ready. And, uh, and I get to do those kind of things today. You know what I mean? Like I get to realize that I don't have everything figured out and that sometimes I do fall short and that I am fallible and I can make mistakes and it doesn't mean that I'm going to get drunk. Um, it just means that there's some work I need to do. You know, I just need to do the next variety of kid action. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what I do when life seems overwhelming and I feel like I'm going to just get drowned in all these, uh, all these events and all these feelings and everything that is going on that I can't control. Um, you know, I just need to, need to take a step back. I need to breathe and I need to focus on like, what do I need to do right now? You know what I mean? And, uh, and if I'm able to do that, then, and things are pretty going to be pretty good. You know, my sponsor, whenever I'm going through a problem, um, he likes me to write down that problem and he likes me to say, uh, uh, what principle am I trying to practice when I'm going through this problem? You know, am I trying to practice like honesty? Am I trying to practice faith? Am I trying to practice courage? Um, what principle am I trying to use when I get through this problem? Or am I trying to use multiple principles? And when I look at my problems from that aspect, like it's a lot easier to go through them, you know, because then it's not really like I'm going through a problem. It's more like I'm trying to practice this way a lot. And, um, and it's a good thing, you know, um, if you're new or relatively new to Alcoholics Anonymous, I'd like to say welcome. Um, I'd like to invite you to keep coming back. Um, if you don't have a sponsor, I suggest you get a sponsor. I'm sure there's plenty of people in this room that can. Uh, if you don't have a home group, I'm sure you can make this meeting your home group. And um, yeah, man, uh, with that, that's all I, all I got. So uh, thanks for letting me share. And uh, let's turn it over to the secretary.